0: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning in for this Thursday edition of the podcast. We are going to be in Psalm 104 and try to complete Psalm 104 today. And again, we see Jesus Christ, the creator, in this psalm. And so we'll be looking at him as the creation And then what I say to you, he's a God that takes an interest in his creation. He's not a hands-off God. He's a hands-on God. And we'd like to look at that with the Lord's help in the podcast today. But I would like to announce the continuation of the meeting here in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. That's the Shippensburg Independent Baptist Church. We will be there still tonight, which is Thursday night, tomorrow, which is Friday night at 7 o'clock each night. And then we'll be moving up to Black Creek, New York for Sunday And will be there Monday through Friday in Black Creek, New York. For the R.G. Rose, myself, will be in the meetings at least 7 o'clock each night, Lord willing. And then a couple of morning services are in the works. and So stay tuned for that for those interested in coming to the services there in Black Creek, New York. We hope that's a blessing, a help to you. And the following Sundays will be in Wellsville, New York at the Anchor Baptist Church. And then there's been a slight change in plans. We'll be home for almost two whole weeks. And what a blessing that'll be for the McVays to be home. we we'll try to get a little bit of rest and get caught up before we go into some more services and more special meetings in the fall. And so that's a little bit of an update in our schedule. Uh, we'll be in Shippensburg rest of the week, Black Creek next week, Wellsville that following Sunday. And so we look into Psalm 104 again. Jesus Christ is the creator, but one of the things important to notice, uh, you hear news today about the polar ice caps melting and the world being overrun with water and the seas are going to take over the nations, and we talked a little bit about that yesterday, and you hear all this calamity. Now, I remember acid rain. I remember the hole in the ozone layer, and uh, those things didn't drastically affect people, so now they just use the term climate change. And they use climate change all the time. And they use the extinction of animals and how they know these animals will go extinct. And and yet God has his hand on his creation. And men that think that climate change is going to destroy the earth, or they think that all the animals will go extinct if we don't protect them, have no belief in God. And he shows us that in this chapter. He shows how marvelous God is in his creation. We see Jesus Christ, the hand of Jesus Christ, and as we look at this, then we'll go into the New Testament and look at this through uh, the testimony of Jesus Christ himself. And we stopped in verse 14. Let me read that for the sake of a understanding here. He says, "'He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle, and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine.'" and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. And so the Lord brought all these things out of the earth. He brought them to give strength to man, to give really beauty to man. And then he said, which strengtheneth man's heart. That bread comes from the wheat which comes out of the ground. That's the seed that God gave. That's the provision of Almighty God. America was the bread basket for the world, but they've turned the bread basket into the soybean basket. Why? Because Men are trying to control national hunger and international hunger, and they try to control the population, and they want to control everything that's not theirs to control. And that's not conspiracy theory. That's the reality. Rich men use experiments, and they experiment with farms and with farmland. And it's why we have GMO and non-GMO, and we have regular cattle and organic cattle and grass-fed cattle and grain-fed cattle. And we have all these different experiments and it's experiment and one thing if people will pay more money to buy this stuff. And that experiment seems to have worked so far. Yet God sustains us. God takes care of us. God has fed his creation since the beginning of creation. And God has always fed the animals. God has taken care of man. There was a short time when God destroyed the world with water, uh, that seed did not bloom upon the earth, that the grass did not spring up. It was a very short time. And then the earth turned green again, and trees began to come up. And God began to sustain them and bring the rain from heaven and call upon the face of the earth. And that bread was to the eater. And that's the mercy of God. That's the goodness of God. God has not changed in those things. He says, The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which He hath planted. And some of those cedars are still there in Lebanon. God planted those cedars. The word told us that, that God hath planted those seeds. It's interesting as men try to control the lumber industry and try to try to manipulate the lumber industry and the wood industry, but yet all these years that man's been on the face of the earth, and yet there's still trillions of trees upon the face of the earth, they cannot possibly decimate. And I realize deforestation, rainforest deforestation, it's going to be the calamity of its all. It's going to be the end of the earth. Gold mines, copper mines, silver mines, it's going to be the destruction of mankind. And, and you hear these things, but yet you see that God has his hand in this. And when one tree dies, God plants another. And one one seed grows, it grows into a mighty tree you realize an oak tree can drop up to, was it, 7,000 acorns I read somewhere? Uh, and I've seen some oaks probably drop more than that. I think the average is about 7,000 acorns. And do you realize that most of those acorns will never become a tree? But the odds of them becoming a tree are that much greater when that tree dies. That's except a corner we fall to the ground and die it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And when that original tree dies, it makes room for those little seeds to spring up. That's the work of God. That's a marvelous work of God. It's a wonderful work of God. And so he talks about those trees of Lebanon, which he hath planted, where the birds make their nests. As for the stork, the fir trees are her house. So it's just the wisdom of the Lord. This is the Lord giving knowledge to the animals and he put that in them and he put that in, in his creation and they know how to live. They know where to live because God put all this in order. God put all this in his order and in his plan. The high hills are of refuge for the wild goats. Why? Because they're able to live there. No other animal can live there because they don't have the hooves or the body or the leaping ability to live in the high hills. But God made the wild goat to live there and the rocks for the conies. Why? They need a place to hide. And so God put them in the rocks. They didn't evolve that way. They didn't just magically evolve from a one celled creature into a cony. And now they need the rocks and they've got all this figured out because of their wisdom. No, God put this in effect. God put this in motion. He said he appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. Thou makest darkness, and it is night wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. And so you have to realize what the word of God says there. This is part of that natural cycle, but God put it into place. And so this young meat, those young lions roar, and they roar and give glory to God and seek their meat from God. The word of God tells us that. And so, therefore, those young lions out there in the plains and out there in the in the grasslands and the savannas of Africa, they roar, and God feeds them. That's what the Word of God says. How does He feed them? He provides them with gazelles. He provides them with with small creatures. He provides them with zebras and giraffes and antelopes and. Any other creature they can come upon that they think they can eat. And, of course, the wildebeest uh, is a great feast for the lion. And the wildebeest feed thousands of lions every year and tens of thousands of, of jackals every year. And probably hundreds of thousands of hyenas every year. They give meat to them. You see the little piggies in the ground. Those adorable little piggies with their razor-sharp tusk They're just meat for the roaring lion. God made it so. And God put this in place. And God is not going to stop this. And he is going to continue this. And men try to intervene in all of this, and God doesn't need their help. It's just mostly a plan, probably, for most people to make money and for businesses to make money. And people will give money to save the rainforest and save the animals and spare the whales and spare the seals, but they won't give God the glory for anything. They'll dump their finances down a well called wildlife conservation, and they'll just dump their money down there. And really, what wildlife conservation is, is you're funding the offices of the Wildlife Conservatory. You're funding the salaries of the people that run the Wildlife Conservatory. Do the animals get the money? No, they don't. And we know they don't, but people have dumped their money in that well. They're do-gooders. They makes them feel good about themselves because they've lost sight that God is in charge of these things. And why don't they give their money to God? Because they hate God. They hate the knowledge of God. They despise God. They despise the wisdom of God. They despise a God that would take his hands off these things. They despise a God that keeps his hands on nature and keeps his plan in order. And they despise that. And they want man to have that power. They want man to have that ability. They want in themselves the feel good, the assuagement that comes from dumping their money into these projects, yet they deny the very existence of God. And so this whole chapter tells us about this. The sun ariseth, they gather themselves together and lay them down in their dens. Man goeth forth unto his work and to his labor until the evening. So the young lion hunts at night. Man works in the daytime, then goes to bed. O Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So at this great and wide sea, wherein are all things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. And... It's innumerable what's in the sea. I was just reading again recently, you know, they've attacked the main lobster fisheries and how lobster is so unethical now. And and they're trying to tear down another industry of fishing. And they say, oh, we've overfished the ocean. But the Bible said it's innumerable. You cannot begin to number the fish of the sea. If you were to really wanted to work and labor for it, you could feed every man on earth with what's in the sea and wouldn't make a dent in the ocean. It's innumerable what's there. And yet God himself put this in place. God made this provision. God will feed us with the sea. God will feed us with these things. And he says, Lord, how manifold are thy works. He said, in wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. These are the riches of God. This is the marvelous work of God. He goes on, verse twenty six says, There go the ships, where? In that great sea. There is that Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. Yet God does sustain them. They wait on the Lord, and he sustains them. So it is with man. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? They waited upon God. So it is also, he tells us, these animals wait upon God. And we see that all through the scripture. Thou givest them to gather, thine openest hand. They are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face. They are troubled. Thou takest away their breath. They die and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit. They are created. Thou renewest the face of the earth. God himself does that. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth and it trembleth. He toucheth the hills and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth. And let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul, praise ye the Lord. And again, as we look at these scriptures, we see the marvelous work of God. We see the hand of God. Jesus Christ told us on this wise in the scriptures in Matthew chapter six, beginning verse twenty-five. He said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink. Now that's a command to us, take no thought for our life. We don't consider these things. Nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? And some people spend their life worried about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, worried about where the next meal's going to come from or what their meal's going to be. He said, Don't consider these things. Isn't the life more than meat, the body than raiment? And then he tells us, Go look at the psalm we just read. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. And he asked this question of us, Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. We've just read an entire chapter and seen how God sustains his animals, how God sustains the fish how God sustains the birds and gives them shelter and gives them safety and gives them trees to put their nests in and how God feeds those young lions. We've seen a whole chapter, how God maintains what he's created. And then he asks us, do you have faith? The father knows you have need of all these things, but do you have faith? Do you believe that God will sustain you? Do you believe that God can sustain you? We preached last night here in the meeting. Well, part of the thought of what we preached last night, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Yes, God can furnish a table in the wilderness. God gave his children manna from heaven, angels food, yet they murmured against God. They did not want to receive what God had for them. And he says, our father knoweth we have need of all these things, and yet we doubt him. We see him clothe the animals. We see him clothe the the grass of the field. We see, Lord, how he provides the rain and how he provides the seed and how he raises up these trees just for the stork to live in. He raises up trees just to have the birds of the field to put their nest in these trees. And yet we take thought so much of what God will do for us. We're so concerned whether God will take care of us or not. But I say, he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In all these things, would you seek first the kingdom of God? Would you realize that God is going to take care of our necessary things? God is going to take care of our necessary provision. God can even take care of our health. I know we don't believe that today, but God can take care of our health. God can take care of us. God can watch over us. He's a merciful God. And my friend, if he clothes the grass of the field and gives the birds a place to lay their heads and gives a meat to the young lion, how much more will God take care of his children? How much more will God take care of the saints of God? So don't consider these things, but you ought to consider the kingdom of God. And if you'll seek it first, he said, all these things shall be added unto you. Why do people live in poverty? Why do people struggle day to day? Why does it seem like some people just can't ever get ahead? It may just be they've not sought the kingdom of God first. And these things have not been added unto them, but if we'll seek first the kingdom of God, he said he would add these things unto us. There is a lost soul who tired of sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.